Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the Ballad of Buster Scruggs in today's statistics episode. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs is a new film on Netflix that you can check out right now. Uh, I did so. And uh, it's it's a, it's a longer film. A little, it's about 10 minutes over, two hours. And it's got a pretty big cast as it is structured in a vignette sequencing. Uh, you know, there's six stories and they all sort of relate to the same thing, place, time, and uh, that's that's today's episode. That's the, Those are the statistics. So, um, without any further ado, let's just jump straight into it. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, I saw this movie November 17th, 2018, 128 minutes long. Uh, it is a 2018 film, and my brief summary is... A series of vignettes about life in the Old West. Pretty straightforward. It is a little more complicated than that. Uh, I've heard and would agree with the notion that uh, it's kind of more along the lines of um, how brutal life can be in the Old West and how there's this sense of... Um, how do I want to phrase it? Uh, I guess I guess I would say, hmm. It was an unforgiving time, and that really comes across in a lot of these stories. Uh, very darkly comedic. Um, it's got a ninety-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I gave the film a fifty-six, and my so, and we'll kind of get into this as we go along. But to be to be quite honest. Uh, the film is hit and miss. Uh, you know, when you have a film that's a series of vignettes, you need all the vignettes to work for the film to, you know, completely succeed. And for me, they don't. And, and we'll get into that when we go through the actors, definitely. Uh, but some of the sequences I thought were great. I really enjoyed. And others really just didn't leave their mark. And hence... A middling grade uh, in that sense. So 56. Uh, moving on to the directors. The directors are Ethan and Joel Cohen. Ethan and Joel Cohen. Uh, this is both of their 20th film credits that I've seen. It drops their average film rating to a 74.3. It is their second film rated in the 50s and 18th best movie overall coming in behind world cinema and ahead of intolerable cruelty. They have a value of 18.5, a score of 86.5, and they're tied in sixth place. One spot behind Don Hertzfeld, one spot ahead of Akira Kurosawa. And I love the Coens, uh, and you can definitely see that their their stamp is all over this movie. It does, it has their sensibilities definitely, but too often, and you know, this is one of my critiques with Hail Caesar as well, is that. The film, Hell Caesar, I felt was very, very uh, disorganized. And Buster Scruggs, at least, is very rigid in its structure, if it is six different stories. But 
the problem there, you know, but, you know, it doesn't really have that many directorial issues other than, I think, I think the problem is more in the writing, which we can get to next. So, the, the writing, again, Joel and Ethan Cohen uh, credited as writers on the film. This is their 24th film credit as writers, uh, dropping their average film rating to a 68.67 as their second film rating in the 50s, 19th best film overall, coming in, once again, behind world cinema and ahead of intolerable cruelty. It drops their value to a, or doesn't change the value at all, to a 15.5. They have a score of 78.88 to be ranked, or to be tied for 11th overall, one spot behind Noah Baumbach, and one spot ahead of Stanley Kubrick. Uh, there's a third writer credited on the film, that's Jack London. Uh, this is his second film credit and improves his average film rating to a 49, is his only film rating in the 50s, and best film overall, coming in ahead of Sneakers. He has a value of negative one, a score of 23.5, and is ranked 2,988 overall, uh, tied with a ton of people, one spot behind um, Oscar nominee Vina Del Mar for The Awful Truth, and one spot ahead of Claire Booth Luce, who is also an Oscar nominee for the film The Women. Nope, she's nominee for Come to the Stable. She also contributed to the writing of The Women. Uh, but, so, so the writing issue is, when you're doing dark comedy, it can you're really walking a fine line of how far can you take an issue or a topic or and and push it to its comedic brink before it becomes insensitive or before uh, it just becomes dark and when and I don't think that the Coens ever hit that insensitive side of the line I do think that they occasionally just hit that dark side of the line uh, and you've got some films where the film is primarily dark, like No Country for Old Men, I would say, isn't very comedic, uh, but it does come close to that line, and there are a lot of opportunities in that film for humor, whereas this, especially when you open with the titular segment, Ballad of Buster Scruggs, very comedic from the jump, uh, you know, you know, it would be comedy colon dark as opposed to dark comedy if you had to classify it because you know you've got tim blake nelson singing and you know he just happens to be the fastest pistol in the west and he's killing people and and you know it ends up being this very jovial spirit this jovial presentation in this film so when you get to uh the liam neeson segment with harry melling which I think is the perfect straddling of that dark comedic line, they kind of hit the, the, the wall there. And after that, the remaining sequences falter. Uh, particularly, you know, Zoe Kazan's segment isn't comedic at all. Uh, and then you have the final segment with Brendan Gleeson, which isn't comedic at all, and not that they have to be naturally, of course, but it, it does create this tonal shift that, personally, you know, I couldn't reconcile with in the greater context of the film. I think they've, they establish themselves so strongly in the first, in the, in the Harry Melling, James Franco, and um, Liam, 
or not in the Tim Blake Nelson, James Franco, and Liam Neeson segments, that when you finally get to the last couple, it, it does kind of strike a very different chord that just didn't mesh well for me uh, personally. So that's that's how that is. Uh, but moving on to the actors, and we'll kind of get into some of these specifics here. Uh, Zoe Kazan starts out number one. This is her 14th film credit. It drops her average film weight to a 68.21. It is her fourth film rated in the 50s and 10th best movie overall, coming in behind In Your Eyes and ahead of In the Valley of Elah. It, drop, it keeps her value at a 9, drops her score to a 68.69, and she is ranked 136th overall, one spot behind the late Richard Griffiths, and one spot ahead of Paul Dano. And so her sequence... Let me see if I can pull up the titles here. Buster Scruggs. Because they do all have titles. Uh, da, 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 da. Zoe Kazan is the gal who got rattled. Uh, and so the short premise of her story is uh, she is traveling uh, west and just kind of gets caught up in this caravan uh, she has a, um, a guy who's kind of interested in her, wants to settle down with her, try to solve her problems, and then there's an attack by the Comanche Indians, and things kind of get set awry. And this is, this is the fifth segment of the film. It's a good segment. Like, it's a good presentation of this story. I like Zoe Kazan in it, um, but... After, so the, the first four all felt like they fit thematically together. This was the first one that veered against that sequence. And I, I don't know how much of that is uh, the Coens trying to attack this Old West film from a different direction. Uh, you know, because this one, there's really no comedy to be had in The Gal Who Got Rattled. And I know I'm harping on that a lot, but you've spent 66% of your film already, you know, and it's quite funny, and it's obviously a comedy up through that point. I don't know why, when they get to the, sec the, uh, the penultimate and final segments, that suddenly the comedy went completely out the window. So, I, you know, I'm not sure what the what the, the goal is when... You've done, you know, you've presented things one way and then suddenly shifted things to a completely different direction. So, again, like, the segment itself is good. It's the, it's the friction it causes with the earlier parts that really creates the issue, in my opinion. Next up, you have Brendan Gleeson. His 39th film credit uh, drops his average film rating to a 59.18. Is his seventh film rated in the 50s and 22nd film overall, coming in behind Mission Impossible 2 and ahead of AI artificial intelligence. He has a value of nine, a score of 65.29, and he is ranked 227th overall. One spot behind Albert Finney, and one spot ahead of Montgomery Clift. Uh, so Brendan Gleeson is in the final segment, The Mortal Remains. Uh, in the final segment. Uh, features a, uh, a caravan of, of about five people uh, traveling to an unknown destination, and they kind of have some philosophical debates. 
Uh, there's some nice banter between, you know, Brendan Gleeson is an Irishman, there's an Englishman, a Frenchman, a woman, and uh, a trapper played by Chelsea Ross, who we'll get to. And it's... This is the final segment, right? This is the segment that you leave the film thinking about and... This was, in my opinion, the weakest segment of the film, and that was, that again, that's a very big problem when the last thing you're left with is kind of a letdown, and it doesn't work with the rest of the film, and with the viewer, it, it really leaves this sort of pretty awful aftertaste, which is a shame, because I do honestly think that the first four segments work and flow together very well. Uh, but uh, I just the fifth one we veer away from from the same tone, and then in the sixth one is uh, by far the only one I, I didn't actually like. Moving on, Harry Melling. This is the ninth film credit of his. It drops his average film rating to a sixty-nine point eight nine. It is his fourth film rated in the fifties and eighth best movie overall, coming in behind The Lost City of Z and ahead of creating the world of Harry Potter, colon, characters. Uh, Harry Melling, uh, this is drop, uh, he has a value of 6.5, a score of 63.68, and he is ranked 285th, one spot behind Scott Glenn, one spot ahead of Bay R B. Richards. He is Dudley Durs Dursley from Harry Potter, if you don't remember. He looks, you know, he's gotten in shape, which is great. Uh, in this, he is in the third segment, Meal Ticket. And he and Liam Neeson uh, basically put on this show where uh, Harry Melling delivers a lot of monologues, soliloquies, uh, passages that he's memorized. Uh, he is armless and legless. And Liam Neeson is kind of his, um, uh, his keeper. And this is the darkest of the comedic segments by far but it is perfect it's it, it creates this sense of uh really like nervous laughter as a reaction towards the end of this segment and i i thought this was brilliant uh you know i i really was impressed by just how simple and straightforward the story was and how impressionable and impactful it was and Harry Melling is, is great in this. Uh, I thought he was awesome. Next up is Tom Waits. This is his 14th film credit. Uh, drops his average film rating to a 63.71. It is his 6th film rated between the 50, in, rated in the 50s and his 11th best movie overall. Coming in behind The Outsiders and ahead of Mystery Men. Uh, he has a value of 6, a score of 61.75. And he is ranked 383rd overall, tied with John Gallagher Jr. One spot behind Peter Sarsgaard and one spot ahead of Jude Law. Tom Waits is the star of the fourth uh, segment, which is called All Gold Canyon, about a prospector who discovers um, a little pocket of gold, and uh, eventually somebody else stumbles upon him, and uh, desperation ensues. And this segment, I, I really enjoy Tom Waits. I loved seeing him in The Old Man and the Gun uh, not too long ago. And he does a great job here, too. You know, he's a little deranged, he's a little crazy, but he's not out of his mind, if that makes sense. You know, he's obviously onto something with this gold he's found. 
and when the climax of this segment comes, uh, it takes a while to get there, and it has to, you know, you have to set up, you know, him finding the gold and getting to that point, but it does take a few few seconds to get there, and then when it happens, uh, it's not funny. Uh, it's a lighter segment than Meal Ticket, than the you know Harry Melling and Liam Neeson segment, definitely. But it isn't exactly funny. Uh, I like this segment, I think it's good, and despite the fact that it isn't funny, it's also not super dark either. And I think it really does fit with the, the overall impression. And... Maybe it was maybe its lack of sort of humor uh, is supposed to be uh, what transitions you into the Zoe Kazan segment, but I, I I still felt very jarred with the girl the gal who got rattled. I like I like All Gold Canyon though. I like Old All Gold Canyon. It's a good it's a good segment. Next up is Ralph Innocent. This is the, his 16th film credit. Drops his average film rating to a 60.13. It is his third film rated in the 50s and 11th best movie overall. Coming in behind The Witch and ahead of Ready Player One. He has a score, or has a value of 4.5, a score of 47.94, and is ranked 621st overall. One spot behind Diego Luna. One spot ahead of Jeff Bridges. Ralph Innocent is in the second segment near Algodon. Algodones, Algodones, um, where he, which is the segment, it follows James Franco, who is a cowboy bank robber, who finds himself put in a noose, uh, and ultimately uh, hilarity ensues, as one ridiculous scenario takes place after another. Um, the, the image of Stephen Root running wearing like pots and pans and yelling pan shot is pretty great uh i really liked this segment quite a bit uh innocent plays the leader of a posse the posse who is uh going to hang james franco and yeah it's it's a very funny segment it's dark and it works it's it's a very strong segment of the film Next up is David Krumholtz. This is the 17th film credit of his. Drops his average film rating to a 59.76. It is his only film rated in the 50s and 11th best movie overall. Coming in behind Superbad and ahead of Ray. His value of 1.5. A score of 54.97 and he is ranked 843rd overall. One spot behind uh, Whit Bissell and Connie Britton. And David Krumholtz is in the opening segment, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, as a Frenchman. Uh, so in this segment, you have Tim Blake Nelson as Buster Scruggs, who is, you know, a fast-firing, fastest gun in the whatever. And he uh, just kind of finds himself constantly being challenged uh, and somehow is always able to get himself out of that situation. Uh it's it's very funny. It's a musical segment. Tim Blake Nelson sings. Uh, it it really does. It, it feel it really felt exactly like another day of sun, uh, from 
La La Land, where you open with this bang, this really high energy bang, and then everything after that uh, sort of slowly maneuvered its way into this um, malaise, kind of, uh, which isn't isn't a negative thing necessarily, uh, as it's a film with multiple segments, it kind of does have this shifting um, tone, but uh, sometimes it shifts a little too much. And after him is Stephen Root. This is the 38th film credit of Stephen Root. It drops his average film rating to a 56.26. It is his fifth film rated in the 50s and 21st film overall, coming in behind his voice role in Superman colon Unbound and ahead of his voice role in Ice Age. He has a score of 50, or has a value of 1.5, a score of 54.95, and he is ranked 844th overall. One spot behind David Crumholtz, one spot ahead of Kenneth Branagh. And I mentioned Stephen Root as in the op- uh, in the second segment with James Franco. He is a bank teller, and he's great. He is absolutely great. Pan shot, probably um, probably the second most memorable thing behind uh, Harry Melling. After that is Tim DeZarn. This is his sixth film credit. Drops his average film rating to a 66.67. It is his only film rating in the 50s. And fifth, best movie overall. Coming in behind The Artist and ahead of Demon Knight. Uh, He has a value of 3.5, a score of 53.5, and is ranked 977th overall. Tied with Catherine Deneuve, Robert De Niro, and Steve Carell. No, not tied with those. Uh, One spot behind Robert De Niro, two spots behind Steve Carell. Um, he is one spot ahead of Eric Bana, and Tim Tazarn is in the opening segment as a card player in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Next up is Liam Neeson. This is his 50th, the big 5-0, 50th film credit, uh, increases his average film rating to a 53.92. It is his sixth film rated in the 50s and 26th best movie overall, coming in behind Darkman and ahead of Taken. He has a value of negative 3.5, a score of 48.35, and is ranked 1,520th overall. One spot behind Frank Wood, one spot ahead of Michael Rappaport. Liam Neeson, uh, as mentioned, is the uh, keeper of Harry Melling, uh, an impresario, who uh, just looking to make some money. Just looking to make some money. Tim Blake Nelson, this is his 25th film credit, increases his average film rating to a 54.76. It is his third film rated in the 50s and 12th best movie overall, coming in behind Syriana and ahead of Kill the Messenger. He has a value of negative 3, a score of 47.7, and is ranked 1,603rd overall, one spot behind Graham Greene II, one spot ahead of Mammy Gummer. And Tim Blake Nelson is brilliant in the opening segment as the titular Buster Scruggs. He is perfect for that role. Uh, I would have expected him to feel too old for it, uh, but he is actually pretty perfect. He, he plays the part, and he's got a good voice. He's got a good voice. Next up is Tom Proctor. This is his seventh film credit. Drops his average film range to a 59.29. It is his only film rate in the 50s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Lawless and ahead of Wilson. He has a value of zero, a score of 46.11, and is ranked 1,793rd overall, tied with Dean Jagger, one spot behind Sean Gunn, and one spot ahead of Alida Valley, who was in the original Suspiria. Uh, Tom Proctor is a cantina ba- bad man. 
in the segment The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Next up is Saul Rubinek. This is his seventh film credit. Drops his average film rating, 258.29. It is his first only film rated in the 50s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind Dick and ahead of Wall Street. He has a value of 0.5, a score of 45.83, and is ranked 1,826th overall, tied with John Turturro, Terry Kinney, and Jennifer Grey, one spot behind Jack McBriar, and one spot ahead of Alan Bates. And Saul Rubinek is in the final segment as the Frenchman, the last segment called The Mortal Remains. Next up is James Franco. This is his 43rd film credit. Uh, increases his average film rating to a 50.47. It is his 11th film, rated in the 50s and 20th best movie overall, coming in behind Veronica Mars and ahead of In the Valley of Elah. He has a value of negative 7, a score of 41.22, and is ranked 2,443rd overall, one spot behind Michaela Watkins, and one spot ahead of uh, Gary Sievers who was in Neighbors and The Hunger Games, Mockingjay Part 2. And uh, James Franco is the lead character in Near Algodones, uh, who is hung to be killed. To be, uh, yeah, to be killed. And he's good. He's, he's pretty good in it. He's not bad. Uh, next up is Clancy Brown. This is his 31st film credit. Uh, increases his average film rating to a 48.5. It is his only film rated in the 50s. Nope, it is his fourth film in the 50s and 13th best film overall, coming in behind Starship Troopers and ahead of The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. He has a value of negative 12, a score of 33.39, and is ranked 3,420th overall, one spot behind Melanie Griffith and one spot ahead of uh, Oscar winner Edmund Gwen. Edmund Gwen. Uh, Clancy Brown is in the opening sequence and is somebody who challenges Buster Scruggs to fight, kind of. Next up is Chelsea Ross. This is his 14th film credit. Increases his average film rating to a 41.64. It is his second film rating in the 50s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind The Untouchables and ahead of Major League. He has a value of negative 9.5, a score of 26.94, and is ranked 4,002nd. Overall, one spot behind John Amos, one spot ahead of Veronica Taylor, who is a voice in the Pokemon movies. Chelsea Ross is in the final segment uh, as a trapper in The Mortal Remains. Um, next up, we have Matthew Willig. This is his eighth film credit. Increases his average film rate to a 31.5. It is his second film rate in the 50s and second best movie overall. Coming in behind Stretch and ahead of Concussion. He has a value of negative 8.5 and a score of 16.7. He is ranked 4,570th overall, one spot behind Maria Bamford, and one spot ahead of Stephanie Leonidas. And Matthew Willig is a Cantina Scum character in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs opening segment. Uh, and that is the cast. That is the cast. Moving on to genre, uh, The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, with a 56 from 2018, is a comedy, average rating of those, 51.99. It is a drama, 58.58. It is a musical, 54.85. A mystery, 54.38. A romance, 53.97. And a western, above all else, 60.34. It is most obviously a western, as all of the segments are westerns. Uh, 
more than half of the segments have comedic or dramatic elements, easily notching those off. Uh, romance, not across all segments by any stretch. Uh, the most prominent romance is in the Zoe Kazan segment. Uh, mystery, definitely some mysterious elements in the final segment with Brendan Gleeson. Uh, and finally, musical. There, are, The first segment is entirely a musical segment, so satisfactory. Uh, Bechdel Test. It is a one. There are multiple female characters, and they never talk to each other, to my recollection. Uh, and it's rated R for Rambunctious. No Oscar nominations, but that remains to be seen. Uh, I think it has like slim, slim chance of making it onto some some lists, uh, personally. But I wouldn't be shocked to see it have none. Uh, Circle of Film Awards, currently none. Uh, does not make any of my lists, uh, or any of my lineups for that matter. And it's that's about it. Straightforward. Uh, as far as the year is concerned... It is the 260th film I have seen, released in 2018. It is the 1,690th film that I've seen in the year of 2018. Uh, it lo- raises the average rating of 2018 films to 42.9. It raises their tomato meter to 60.74. It is the 88th comedy, 123rd drama, 17th musical, 33rd mystery, 38th romance, and second, just second Western that I've seen from 2018. It is neither a good nor a bad film based on its rating, uh, so the ratio between of good to bad films remains 0.49, so just under half at the moment. It's one on the Bechtel test as part of the 29.62% of films from 2018 that has that score, uh, which is about par for the course, and as an R-rated film, it is the 112th R-rated film I've seen from 2018. Uh, which is heads and shoulders uh, above any other MPAA rating for the year. And finally, as a film rated 56, it is one of the 107 films that has received that rating in my spreadsheet. Uh, Films from 2018 that have also received that score, Three Identical Strangers, Uh, another Netflix film, Apostle, and... Beautiful Boy, as well as Happy Anniversary. Uh, If we look back at 2017, some 56-rated films include My Happy Family, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, Victoria and Abdul, The Greatest Showman, The Discovery, Dante's Lunch. Uh, So a wide variety of films uh, hitting that score. Uh, But overall... Again, I think it's an enjoyable movie. I think the structure and writing, I didn't really get into this, but you know, as a film with very short vignettes uh, that, that comprise its entire runtime, it's not easy to do that and give your characters uh, a lot of dimensions. And I think some of the segments do that much, much better than others. I would either say, I don't know, it's tough to pick my favorite, I think, like, I love the Harry Mellings short with Liam Neeson. I thought that was really well well structured in and of itself. I think the Zoe Kazan short is pretty grave and, and, and strong. I like Tom Waits. I like Tim Blake Nelson. 
and and I think the James Franco short is a good one too. But I really I really was not on board with the final final segment, and uh, I think that the combination of all of them isn't as as smooth as it could be, and uh, some of the characterizations throughout the film are lacking, for lack of a better word. Uh, so, Battle to Buster Scruggs, 56, but by by no stretch a quote-unquote bad film. Uh, so that's that's where that's at. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Really do appreciate it. And now, the outro, courtesy of Meg Berquist. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you would like to listen to more episodes, you can find this podcast at circleoffilm.com or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. If you'd like to follow Ryan on Twitter, you can find him at Circle of Film or contact him through email at circleoffilm at gmail.com. You can also support the show at patreon.com slash circleoffilm for as little as eight cents an episode. Thank you again for listening and have a week. So long, farewell, I'll be the same good night. I know she'll never leave me, even as she fades from Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. So long.